Hours away from debate number one between Trump and Biden, Feinstein's hypocritical mask mandate, former Trump campaign manager tackled by cops, and housing inmates in California based on gender identity? Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here. As you know, it is debate night, which is perhaps only going to be excelled by election night in terms of how frenzied all the political commentary gets around this. Because the first debate, I think, is the one that everyone really anticipates. I know there are a few more, and but come on. Come on, who really cares, right? We all know the first debate's going to set the tone. The other ones will be interesting, too. And the expectation is that tens of millions of Americans will be watching tonight as Joe Biden and Donald Trump square off. Uh, you can pretty much skip all the post-game wrap-up stuff because there's no way in this political climate anyone is going to be uh, brought to the other side by this performance. N- no one who has a job in media or in commentary is suddenly going to grow a conscience and think, yeah, okay, Joe Biden is a buffoon. I was wrong, right? That's never going to happen. And there's absolutely no way that anyone after four years of Trump being president and thinking that he did a good job, they're going to say, okay, he was a little sloppy tonight with some uh, some facts or some parts of this debate, so I no longer support Trump. So that's not going to happen. So no one publicly is going to come away from this with a different point of view, I think, than what they came into it. Publicly, I mean, no one in the commentariat, right? Nobody who makes a living doing this stuff. And that then leaves us with the poll I saw today was that 14% of likely voters they they think are still undecided at this point. I I believe it's less than that. I think that's a high number. But let's just say it's roughly 1 in 10. So you got about 10% of likely voters, people that are probably going to show up, who have not yet made their minds. And once you extrapolate that 10% down to a state-by-state level, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Nevada, New Hampshire, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina. I mean, those are the states where you're sprinkling a, a couple of hundred thousand votes in here or there that make all the difference between who wins this election and who doesn't between who is the the victor and who is the vanquished. And so you have to remember that because between now and the election, you're going to see some very different things from the Democrats. We've been through now six months of what is effectively a base turnout campaign. Right. This was the BLM movement, the the rioting, the mask mania where you got to wear a mask, not just outside, but in, a sh- in the shower, when you're going to sleep at night, if you really care about defeating COVID and if you want to hold Donald Trump responsible for not caring about COVID, uh, those were all meant to get people who already hate Trump fired up, motivated, donating money, spreading Biden and Democrat propaganda online and to make sure that they will show up and vote when the when it's actually time to get that done. I know there's already voting going on right now. Isn't that pretty amazing? Think about it. There's early voting happening right now, but the different campaign tone you'll see is to convince that very small slice 
that the Democrat Party that we saw from January to, I'd say, July or maybe even August of this year isn't really the Democrat Party. There's some other more reasonable, more centrist, more down the middle Democrat Party that we can all point to. And uh, it's a fiction. And that's also why Joe Biden is their candidate. It was all for this moment of, come on, blue collar Joe who rides the Amtrak and has been a been a good old guy from Delaware for decades. Yeah, you can count on blue collar Joe. That's the fiction that they want those undecided voters to believe that Biden's just a normal everyday guy who happens to be worth tens of millions of dollars now, of course, after only serving in public life for his whole life. But you know, he's just just one of the guys. Biden's just one of the guys. Yeah, sure. He's not a crazy socialist. He's not going to make sure your kids are learning critical race theory in schools. Ah, now you see why he was the pick of the Democrat apparatus, and the Democrat establishment. They need someone who is essentially a fraud. They need someone who's a fake, who does not really represent the ethos, the vision, the future of the Democrat Party. They need someone who can fool people into thinking that the Democrats of today are similar to the Democrats of, I don't know, the 1960s and 70s. You know, similar to the, the Kennedy, the JFK Democrat, right? They're similar to a different era of Democrat where everybody loved America. There are different ideas about what to do, but no, no. Now we have the far left Marxist lunatics pushing policies that they would have said even a few years ago were insane. I mean, this Green New Deal stuff, folks. Now, if you talk about climate change, it's not just do you believe in climate change that that had been. Uh, th- that had been the, the litmus test. That was the thing that they wanted to check and see if you had the right answer. N- not only uh, do they want to make sure, of course, you believe in climate change, but that's not nearly sufficient anymore. No, this Democrat Party today, the one that wants people who don't know any better to vote for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, and maybe we should start putting Kamala first. This Democrat Party has a belief that you must subscribe to that climate change is an existential threat. Now, as terrible as COVID has been, you've seen the way that they have abused the powers that they have taken into their own hands here in order to lock people down, shut down businesses. And that's over something that realistically is, is a threat to a, only a, a threat to a percentage of the population. And, we've seen that there's a 99% plus survival rate from this disease. So less than 1% of the population is at risk of dying from COVID, realistically. And look what they've done. Look what they've done to the country. Look what they have done uh, with these lockdowns, with these draconian rules that they don't want to abide by themselves, but they want to make sure they ram it down your throat. What do you think they'll do when they're going to make the case that 100% of not just America, the world is at risk unless you listen to them. They have slid not just into a socialist ideology, but into a totalitarian ideology. They just don't have the power to enact it yet. But if they could, they would. If they could get away with mandating what you can, what you can say, you know they would. What you can, and, uh, what you can worship, what religion And religious beliefs you're allowed to hold. They would absolutely do that. Where you can gather. Who you can gather with. What business you can be in. Whether your business can operate. 
what kind of energy you use in your home, what kind of car you drive, what kind of food you eat. Go down the list. How are they not a totalitarian party at this phase? How, how, how could you argue against the Democrats as an entity now that seeks total control if they can get it? They don't have it yet. Now, the same reason that they won't go after Amy Coney Barrett as some kind of secret serial rapist, it just wouldn't work. It's not that they're above it. They just couldn't pull it off is the reason that they can't or, or, or they won't yet uh, push for their full totalitarian vision because they can't get away with it. That's why you've got Joe Biden. You see, that's the whole point. They have to keep on turning the dial up slowly. Boil that, uh, boil that frog slowly time. Don't want to go too fast. Let people know what's happened. The frog will hop out of the pot if it gets too toasty. And there you got to go slow. And Biden is essential for that plan. And that's what you will see happening right now. That's what you'll see going on and, and, and in this conversation uh, tonight and into, until Election Day. I mean, until we actually get to a place where we see what the American people have decided. They're going to be putting forward this guy, Joe Biden, and telling you things about him that are irrelevant to what the country will go through if he's elected. And that's why there's a fundamental dishonesty to the Democrat Party's project. I mean, the DNC is a fraud. It's not telling people what they're really going to get under a Biden presidency. And you even see some shades of this. You see this when he won't answer, would you pack the Supreme Court? Would, would you support a Democrat majority Senate getting rid of the filibuster entirely? So that means that you can a uh, 51 votes or even 50 50 if you got a Democrat like uh, Kamala Harris as vice president. Any legislation you want goes through anything. Ban assault, assault rifles nationally. Done. Easy. 50 votes plus the v, plus the VP or 51 votes. Going to add Puerto Rico and, and uh, D.C., Two senators each, very small territories to get two senators each. But I know there are other small states, but especially D.C. Now that means four Democrat senators locked in. You, you think you think they're going to do that just for fun? No, they have a plan here. They have a plan to make the Republican Party a historical uh, element in America. They, they want to make it an anachronism, a, a throwback to an earlier time. You know, it'll be there, but it'll be largely academic. You know, it'll be the opposition that never actually gets to be in power. And other countries that are democracies have this. You look to our south in Mexico, the the, uh, the PRI was the democratically elected party of Mexico for 70 years, folks. They were in power for 70 years. Democrats see that and think, why can't we do that? Why can't we accomplish something similar? And there's there's no real answer to it because they can. They can, especially if they get. Uh, the change to the filibuster, because then they're going to push through an amnesty. So you're going to get elimination of the filibuster, uh, court packing on the Supreme Court, packing the Senate with statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. Well, then Puerto Rico will have to pay income tax. Uh, and all of this is meant to structurally shift the uh, political framework in America far left. But they put Joe Biden. They didn't have the courage of their convictions to put Bernie Sanders forward. Say what you will about Bernie. And I've said a lot. At least the guy says what he is. At least he says what he is. But the Democrats know the, the CNN, Hollywood, 
elite lib Democrats, they know mm, too tough to fool Ohioans and Floridians and, and Pennsylvanians, too, too tough to fool them into thinking that Bernie Sanders isn't a Democratic socialist who's going to ruin the healthcare system in this country and, and effectively take us closer and closer to bankruptcy at a time when we're already spending way too much money. And don't even get me started on that. Uh, no, it's too hard. So they're going to put forward Joe Biden, a guy that they can just create the narrative. They just they formulate the storyline and then all he has to do is show up. And that's what you're seeing now. This is the show up candidacy. Actually, not even true. This is the exist and hide candidacy. He doesn't even really show. I mean, he shows up for the debate, we think. But the rest of it has just been the bare minimum. And that's really who Biden is. Biden is the bare minimum guy. He's the guy that you can't count on for anything other than what benefits him and is safe and is obvious. There's no leadership. There's no good judgment or decision making. This guy's a a third tier intellect and a fourth tier politician who is somehow... A, uh, a hair's breadth away from being the president of the United States. It's stunning, isn't it? At least the, the storyline around Trump, he was an outsider. He was there to smash the system. He had different views. He, that was all true. That all made sense. If you thought that the cronyism, the insider deals, the, uh, the corporate interests above all else ethos of, of the federal government and Washington, D.C., and the bureaucracy as well, If you thought that that was gross, bringing in Trump makes sense. You are getting what you vote for with Trump. And that's the fundamental difference with Biden. You are not getting what you vote for. They are presenting you with one thing and they're going to slip something else in as soon as they get past the process. It's all so slimy and dishonest. Just remember that as these two combatants ideological warriors take the stage tonight and hear what people say on their respective sides afterwards Uh, do i think that trump is going to give the trumpian equivalent of the funeral oration of of pericles for dead athenian soldiers no do i think that he's going to land some great shots on joe biden who i believe has a glass jaw i believe joe biden is a a truly weak candidate and all you have to do is expose these frauds, these obvious shortcomings I'm talking about. And it's going to be a whole different ball game for Joe Biden. Um, I, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, I do believe that both sides will get their fair share of uh, challenging questions. I mean, this is Chris Wallace has built a brand on this, right, that he will not bend. He will do whatever he thinks is most journalistically appropriate so let's see tonight and i'll be very honest if he's i always give credit where it's due if chris wallace is legit if he pushes trump but he also pushes biden i'm going to come back and say that and and i think that there's a good chance that that will be the case but it's really going to come down to trump to corner biden and just show what a shallow vain fraud this guy is a total fraud People always talk about Trump and his businesses and this, and he exaggerates. He's a salesman. Yeah, but the people who voted for Trump got exactly what they thought they were voting for. And there is a fundamental dishonesty in Joe Biden and the Biden campaign that they're presenting him as a centrist, moderate Democrat from, you know, circa 1985. 
because the guy's been in politics longer than that. And what you really have is a placeholder for Kamala Harris to be the mouthpiece for AOC and Bernie Sanders agenda and all the rest of it. That's what will actually happen. And the battle is really over whether we can convince enough Americans of that underlying truth about this election. Tonight's debate will be at least one big piece in that puzzle. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. And just remember, after this debate tonight, because I'm sure they're going to drill down on every little thing, not only Trump said tonight during the debate, but that he's ever said the lib media is going to be in an all out assault on him. Remember that their candidate is this guy. Play 15. I promise you the president has a big stick. (laughs) But the Taoiseach knows a lot about it. His mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's wait, your mom's still your mom's still alive as your dad passed. God bless her soul. I got to get this straight. The number one job facing the middle class. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three letter word. Jobs. J.O.B.S. Jobs. Uh, uh, Chuck Graham, state senator's here. Chuck, stand up. Chuck, good to see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. You tell I'm new. Good to see you, buddy. The largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. It's a big blanking deal that Joe Biden may be the next president of the United States unless we, the American people, can wake up and see see him for what he is and this whole sham. I mean, I really think his candidacy is the whole thing is a scam really is uh, because it's based in in lies. But that's what we're up against, folks. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What's one of the fastest ways to get CNN upset with you? Well, of course, making fun of CNN. I I believe I'm actually officially banned from their air and banned from their building, which uh, is a badge of honor. But if you call out the even more elite and celebrated liberal outlets uh, like the New York Times, CNN is very upset about this. And here you have uh, a CNN anchor. (laughs) (laughs) who gets very testy with my friend, Deputy White House Press Secretary Brian Morgenstern, when he calls out the New York Times for this story on Trump's taxes that just happened to break, just happened to break right before the first debate. Almost like this might have been planned. Play 20. But this is a story that was it's another version of it from four years ago on the eve of a debate coordinated with the Democrats as a political hit. Okay, that's Brian. I'm just going to stop you there. These are remarkable reporters from The New York Times who went through 20 years of documents. It is not okay 
for you to accuse them with no facts of coordinating with the Democratic Party. Poppy, they, Please they stop doing that or this running. interview will they end. Had ads Brian, up and stop attacking the press. I have not seen you do that largely before. Stop doing that. I'm asking you direct questions. You can put the entire thing to bed if the president would release the records and show the American people what he says is true. So this is the, the game that the libs play. There's no evidence for what you're saying. Right. The evidence is not being a moron. We, we think that the Biden campaign just happened to have ads ready to go the same day the New York Times dropped the story. Does anyone really believe the New York Times wasn't in contact, that there weren't reporters in contact with the Biden campaign about this story? I mean, you know, but see, this is what they do. They, they pretend to be dumb when it suits them, and they're just dumb enough that a lot of people do believe it. Even when they're intentionally, when they're feigning stupidity, your average CNN anchor is dumb enough that it's always somewhat credible. Their dumbness is always believable at some level. But here I think it, it, strains, it strains credulity. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, the tax story just happened to come out right before the first debate. It's not like it's not like the New York Times is holding it and holding it and holding it and coordinating and everything else. Now, why is this so important to them? Why is the tax story something that most people that read it were like, OK, so what? Not illegal. He's doing what the tax code says he can do. Is he supposed to give more money to the government? Is that, is that really the belief? You're supposed if you know that you can legally give less money to the government, you're really going to give more money to the federal government. I, I just I find that very, very hard for anyone to say with a straight face. But that does seem to be the claim that is made here. That the president should have paid even even more in taxes than he did. And nah, I just think that's bad. I think that's uh, that's silly. It's, that's unserious stuff. Why are they releasing this right before this debate tonight? Because of the, the positioning here. And remember, it's dumb. But my friends, if you're listening to this show, you already are discerning and have. I'm just going to say it. You have good taste in what is true and political commentary and you appreciate arguments that make sense. And I know that's self-serving, but that's also accurate. That's just reality. So if you listen to the show, you're already in that place. You have to remember the Biden campaign. They're not trying to reach you folks. You're not. They're trying to reach Team Buck and conservatives and independents that listen to this show all across the country. I think I even have some Democrat hate listeners, but that's OK. They, they hate the show so much, but they have to listen. They're trying to reach people that. And I, I'm not putting them down. They just have an unsophisticated understanding of politics because they got jobs that they have to do and, you know, stresses and family stuff and things that, you know, they're not in the habit of reading the newspaper every day, so to speak, you know, whether it's online or watching uh, different channels. They're not in the habit of doing that. They just want to live their lives in peace. And like I said, I'm not putting down independent voters or swing voters at all, but I'm just saying that they may not have as sophisticated an understanding of the Democrat propaganda machine, because I think if they did, they would know you can't vote for this. You can't vote for this Democrat candidate. And so that's who they're trying to fool with this blue collar Joe nonsense. Remember, Biden's line, what was it, a week or two ago, was that he's the guy from Scranton 
and that this is Scranton versus Park Avenue, right? Park Avenue being one of the most expensive streets in New York City in what I believe on a per capita basis is the wealthiest zip code in the United States. And certainly one of them, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And he's essentially saying that this is about just good old, you know, Main Street America versus super rich plutocrat America on Park Avenue. Now, this is amazing because it's the exact opposite of the truth. I mean, in in general, but also in the specifics here of the analogy that he makes or in the specifics of this comparison, Joe Biden has received eight to one dollar donations from residents of one zero zero two one, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. You know, it's like Beverly Hills, nine oh two and oh. One one zero zero two one is the equivalent of that Beverly Hills nine oh two one oh show, right? It's super expensive, fancy, a lot of rich people. Eight to one by so it's not even close, right? I mean, so if you're gonna cite Park Avenue, shouldn't it matter that that overwhelmingly there's a there's one candidate who is the candidate of Park Avenue, and it is Joe Biden. It is not Donald Trump. And Joe Biden's whole I'm just a guy from Scranton, he lives in a twenty thousand dollar a month mansion folks okay joe biden is a rich rich man and he became rich by peddling influence and having other people trade off of his name and have him sign his name to books and things like that that he did nothing to write or you know that's how joe biden got he got rich in public service he's never run a company never worked in the private sector he has become he is a lifelong politician who is worth tens of millions of dollars. Lifelong politician, never done anything else. Okay, ever since he ran for office, that's been it. Over 40 years, this guy has been receiving a paycheck from the American taxpayer. Now he's worth tens of millions of dollars, and he's going to claim that he's the guy from Main Street? You know, when he rides the Amtrak, folks, they clear out a car for him and there was like a Secret Service detail for all those years of, years of the Obama administration. And, you know, riding the Acela from Delaware to D.C. is a very uh, high end thing. It's, it's about as expensive as flying. This is it's not like he was a guy riding the bus. It's fancy. So that whole thing about, oh, he's just a guy on Amtrak. They made it sound like Joe Biden sitting there in overalls with a lunch pail. Oh, I'm just going to D.C. To... No. Joe Biden was busy on his cell phone and with all of his staffers taking phone calls from his billionaire backers in the Democrat Party, from the credit card companies that have been allowed really just legalized usury, right? Legalized extortion with these 29% APR and moving around. The, the, the stuff that if you look at what credit card companies have done in the last 20 years, it's disgusting what they've gotten away with because of people like Joe Biden. Special carve outs about bankruptcy doesn't doesn't uh, erase your credit card debt. Right. All this stuff. Joe Biden was that guy. That's who he has been. And if you're going to talk about the taxes, then I think we should also have a conversation about what did Joe Biden do when it came to taxes? Wall Street Journal has a piece on how Biden uh, and Jill Biden created an S corp, an S corporation loophole for themselves The Obama administration actually wanted to get rid of this loophole, but the Bidens were able to take the money they made from book sales and speeches, millions and millions of dollars. Then understand this, Joe Biden's, this is the Hillary Clinton maneuver too. Joe Biden's book and speeches were 
only valuable insofar as he might have, you know, he was planning to run for office again. And so it's really a way of buying access. Right. If you're a big publisher, you got to give Joe a lot of money now, because then when he's president, you know, you're going to be in the bidding for his memoir afterwards. And you're going to have you're going to have connections to people in the White House and access selling is what Joe Biden has excelled at. And I mean, giving these speeches, I mean, who really wants to hear Joe Biden give a speech? Think about that. But remember, they they went through the Clinton administration. I mean, rather, the Clinton Foundation uh, would have people that would donate to it. And then they would also be encouraged to pay, you know, Hillary 250 grand for a speech. I got to tell you, I, I sometimes give paid speeches. Uh, if you ever want me to come give a paid speech in your town, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com, just say speech in the uh, subject line. I gave one in North Carolina recently. It was fantastic. Uh, do a great job. Everyone has a really fun time. I stay around after the speech, drink with everybody, hang out. Uh, but I don't make 250 grand for a speech. That was Hillary Clinton money. And Bill Clinton, as we know, made 500, 600 grand. I think the highest ever was 800, which is this is all just selling influence, friends. So anyway, so Biden's making millions of dollars, but he sets up an S corporation, which allowed him to avoid the 3.8 percent self-employment tax that they would have received if they were compensated directly. And that avoided as much as a half a million dollars in taxes. The Wall Street Journal quotes a, a tax expert who says there's no reason for these to be in an S corp, none other than to save on self-employment tax. So the Bidens set up for their millions of dollars they were receiving for, again, a book he didn't write and speeches other people write for him that he just gets to read and then go home afterwards. He make a million. This is like the easiest money you can make. Other people writing your books for you, other people writing your speeches for you. Hey, you know, this is and cashing in on your political brand. That's all this is. But they wanted to make sure they kept every penny they could legally. Half a million dollars of taxes, taxes to pay for people's you know, Social Security and Medicare. And people say, oh, that's not the specific tax, but money's fungible. Goes to roads and bridges and schools, you know, whatever. Right. Whatever it may be. Half a million dollars uh, that they have by just a, a trick, really an accounting trick is why accountants are so valuable still and get paid very well. So I, I just want to know. I mean, the average person, the average earner will have paid two hundred and nine thousand dollars over their entire lifetime in Medicare taxes, your average worker will pay two hundred nine thousand dollars in taxes. The Bidens avoided in one year double that amount. Just by creating an S corporation on their earnings, that's all. In one year. Oh, you mean they were avoiding taxes? Yeah, which is what everybody does, which is what all wealthy people do, which is also why these rules uh, and these these tax code breaks. It's all just gaming the system, folks. That's why the the people that are fighting a one page tax code, the people that are fighting a, a tax law that everyone could understand would be applicable to everybody. No more nonsense. No more social engineering. They're the most powerful people in the country, which is why we could have the absurdity of a 70,000 plus page tax code, because the most powerful corporations and individuals wealthiest individuals in america don't want this to change they don't want this to change they want all these different ways to advantage themselves while also talking about how much they care about the poor that's the game that the billionaires play on in both political parties 
And it's the reason why this never changes. So let's have an honest conversation about it. Let's not allow the Bidens to continue to just she's just such a fraud. The whole thing is such BS. Oh, and then there's the. The John Kerry situation that I mentioned to you. Let me get into that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Now, I know that he's not running for president this time around, but this is really one of my favorites. John Kerry back in uh, this was back in 2010. John Kerry, who was the Democrat nominee at one point, you'll remember that, right? John Kerry saved half a million dollars in taxes by docking his family's seven million dollar yacht in Rhode Island instead of Massachusetts. So here is the ultra wealthy senator from Massachusetts. Of course, all of his money came from marrying a rich woman whose money came from her uh, ex-husband. So he's he's set for life. Never has to worry about money ever again. Hundreds of millions of dollars we're talking about. I mean, huge fortune. And he's got a seven million dollar yacht. Remember, you have to make about 14 million dollars to buy if you're going to just write a check, that $7 million yacht. And he docks it. He's the senator from Massachusetts, and he docks it in Rhode Island to avoid a $50,000, uh, sorry, $500,000 in a sales tax and also an annual excise tax. Uh, so there you go. That's a guy. Now, look, he's worth a huge amount of money. He doesn't need the money. He's just greedy. Rich people are greedy. That's what a lot of folks don't understand. I grew up around a lot of rich people in New York. They're greedy. A lot of them. Money plays a very large role in their lives. They don't they don't gauge themselves against the average American. It doesn't matter if they've got a thousand times the net worth of the average American. You know, it doesn't matter to them at all. What matters to them is their peer group. Are they richer than most of their friends? And really rich people tend to be friends with other really rich people. So it's never enough. And John Kerry's in that category. Now, Donald Trump is super rich and he's very competitive about money and fame and wealth, too. And I, I, of course, totally get that. It would be dishonest of me to say otherwise. But Donald Trump doesn't pretend to be something else. Donald Trump isn't walking around like, hey, I'm Johnny from Queens. You know, I'm just another guy. He has a way with people who are, you know, construction workers and people who are doing day to day jobs. He's got a, a respect for that because he's a New Yorker and. That's just that's an ethos here. You know, you respect people that do a hard day's work. And but he doesn't pretend to be he doesn't pretend to be working class. Joe Biden's pretending to be working class. Joe Biden's a fraud. Donald Trump's like, yeah, I'm a billionaire. Look at all the everything, you know, my my uh, everything, my gold faucets and my gold here and there. You know, you look at the, the houses and everything else. It's all gilded. And but he's not hiding. And he's like, yeah, I like things to be beautiful and larger than life. And I'm part of the. I'm selling a brand. The brand is the ultimate success. That's honesty. I can handle that. I can handle people who are like, look, I'm super rich and this is what I do. And Joe Biden's worth, what, 15, 20 million dollars, at least 30 million dollars, maybe. Who knows at this point? And he's telling you that he's Main Street. Meanwhile, the richest people in the country, at least in New York City, are backing Joe Biden. And he's pretending they're backing Trump because yet again, another lie. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably noticed that 
the left has a habit of doing something when it comes to these big political and, and social debates that are out there. They will say, oh, that's a straw man. They will claim that no one's really advocating for the following thing. And then as soon as they're in a position to make that thing happen, they do it. Right. And this this is a, a continuing incrementalism rooted in in dishonesty in the public discourse that the left engages in uh, transgender rights is a perfect example of this. Ten years ago, talking about whether men should be able to use women's bathrooms and public accommodations, biological men using wi- biological women's accommodations. That was a straw man. We were told that was uh, absurd. Now it's a civil rights issue. Now it's, oh, my gosh, you know, and and with this uh, new LGBTQ ruling in the Supreme Court, uh, gender identity is is now protected. Right. There's now this protection for gender identity. So you say, okay, how is this going to work? And now there's going to be lots of lawsuits that come from that. Gorsuch wrongly decided this one. I would note that not even. You know, you, you can't even count on constitutional, so-called constitutionalists to, yeah, all of a sudden transgender rights is a thing in the Constitution because, I don't know, I'm pretty sure that the founders didn't didn't have that in mind. I'm pretty sure that the Congress legislation uh, that, that doesn't mention this didn't have it in mind. But anyway, another area I would say, and you would try to show the inherent wrongness and even absurdity of some of these left-wing positions. You'd bring up things like, uh, what about sports? Should biological men be able to compete in women's sports? And 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, well, no, 10 years ago, they would have said, that's a straw man, Buck. No one's arguing for that. No, they are. No, not now it's standard. You know, now you have biological males who are competing in women's sports. And this creates all kinds of, of issues, and, and including I, I even brought up uh, uh, combat sports including things like uh, MMA, you know, boxing, biological males. And I would I, again, I've gone through these uh, these examples and said, wouldn't we all couldn't we all agree that if you have you know, X, Y chromosomes, if you're a biological male fighting women as a means of you know, making income for yourself and in, in a sports setting, there's something wrong with that. N- now you're not allowed to say that, at least on the woke left. Ten years ago, it was oh, no, come on, Buck, no one's saying that. You're noticing a pattern, right? Well, I just want to add to this the most uh, the most recent example of this, where where what was the extreme? What was the thing that we could point to to say, hold on, you guys, what about this? We can all agree that's crazy, right? Now it's not. Now they've uh, changed their mind. Now they've decided that the thing that some of us were warning was at the bottom of the slippery slope is where we are, and their pretense that that wasn't going to happen was just a tactic. It was dishonest. And the the example I have in mind here is in California now, uh, they're going to start, Gavin Newsom, who's one of these climate changes and existential threat guys, of course, he just signed a bill that says that prison inmates can petition to be housed under their gender identity instead of their biological sex. We've we've really gone there now. So now we have 12 year olds who are 12 year olds with with male organs can uh, think they are female and then be and then demand access to the 12 year old girls locker rooms and changing and everything else. And no one's allowed to have a problem with that. Uh, You have men are uh, allowed to fight women 
or biological men. You know, I don't know what we're supposed to trans women. What I don't even know what the terminology is that they think we're supposed to use because they change it all the time. And now we've reached the point where, yeah, that's right. If you're facing a a life sentence, uh, would you rather be a 200 pound, six foot tall guy in a male prison where you're going to have a lot of very dangerous and frightening people around you? Or would you rather be a 200 pound male who has a gender identity that he claims is female and now in a female prison under California law? Now, they can deny it, they say, based on safety concerns. So what they're going to do is leave this loophole so that they can stop the most obvious and and egregious uh, exploitation of this. But it's clearly going to be exploited. Now you're going to have biological. And and, oh, and it's not based on you don't have to have had the transition surgery. No. It's all gender identity. It's all psychological. It's all in your head. I'm telling you this much, if you're if you're a male and you've you've got yourself, a, you know, a life sentence at uh, San Quentin prison, I think you'd rather get transferred to an all the all either the all women's wing. I don't know if they have that there or a, a woman's prison in general. It'd be a lot safer. Among other things. So, yeah, that's now where we are with uh, with with trans rights in America and. I just note that this is this is the the game that the left continues to play. This is how progressives always cloak their real intentions when they whenever they run against any resistance from the the mass of the American people, they cloak their real intentions in the in the incrementalism that we see. And that's I'm thinking about this one because of these news stories like Gavin Newsom just signing this in California, signing this bill. But also this is what you this is really the the uh, approach of the Democrat Party wholesale. This is what they do. Right? They say, we just want this thing. And you say, well, hold on a second. If you're, if you're abandoning a certain principle to get that one objective, wouldn't you also want to do the following things that the American people would not be acceptable, uh, accepting of, would not agree with, would not want legislation passed to support? They say, no, that's, that's a lie. We're, we don't want those things. We just want this thing. You'll see it with countless issues. You'll see it with all the climate change stuff. Oh, we're not going to institute punitive measures in the economy to make sure that people. No, they will. Right now it's subsidies. But when the subsidies aren't enough for green energy stuff, then they move to punishing people that make bad decisions. Oh, another one in California. They're going to get rid of of all non-electric cars. I think they said by 2035 was the not not allowed to have a non-electric car in California. Friends, they can make you wear a mask and we all just do it. And we all just go along like sheep outside wearing our masks. They can make you do a lot of things. And that's what's happening now. We are entering a period of of not just centralization of power, but centralization and, and utilization with the help of digital technology and the ability of bureaucrats to monitor and have the dissemination of policy that's instantaneous, as well as the monitoring of individual compliance with those policies. We are closer to a turnkey authoritarian state than we realize in this country. The only thing that stops it from happening is the, the will and the mindset of the American people. But our, our Democrat fellow Americans increasingly embrace this stuff. They have no problem with it. They see no issue with it. So I, I want to note that and, and another thing, just a, a news story that I wanted to sometimes I get so caught up in the political debate of the day and the, and the philosophy around it and behind it that I don't get into some of these news stories. I, we do have the uh, Project Veritas. I think we're going to have James O'Keefe on tomorrow. 
We had a, I had a scheduling. We have so many big guests. We have, you know, Megan and Hogan and Dinesh and Senator Cruz. We got so many big guests that we, we got to move things around sometimes. So yesterday we're going to do it. But then I had to move a guest during the show. Anyway, we're going to talk about what happened in with Project Veritas, what they've shown in uh, Minneapolis with the largely Somali uh, based diaspora community in, in Minneapolis and the voting. Look, ballot ha- harvesting and vote cheating, essentially election fraud. That's what they seem to have on Earth. And you have to remember, you go back. I mean, there have been some some big sting journalism that's been done, you know, undercover journalism, including by Project Veritas, among other groups that has really hurt the Democrats. I mean, this this stuff, there's a reason why the uh, media always closes ranks against this kind of journalism when it targets Democrats, because they know even though the Democrat media undermines the very premise of their jobs and what they claim to be doing with this stuff. They also know that they got to protect they got to protect their fellow libs here. I mean, if the American people are actually exposed to the truth of ACORN, remember that one or Planned Parenthood, remember that one? Or, you know, you go down this list, uh, they might feel very differently about the some of these organizations, some of these community organizer outfits and also a Democrat party that supports all of them. So we're hoping to have James on tomorrow. Uh, the other story that that caught my attention, just news story, and it's uh, I have a different takeaway from it than a lot of other people. Brad Parscale, uh, he is the former Trump campaign manager, so he had a big job. And I don't know the guy, I don't know anything really about him. I mean, I know some things about him, but I've never met him. I have no personal relationship with him. He uh, was arrested. There are allegations of of uh, threats of self-harm, that he was going to commit suicide. Daily Mail today says he's under investigation for stealing a lot of money. I, I don't know. I, I've had no interaction with the Trump campaign on any of this stuff, and I haven't even been able to really talk to any of my sources about it. And they probably honestly won't say very much because this is some sensitive stuff. Uh, but Parscale obviously had a bad day. He got arrested. <laughs> bad day is putting it mildly, but he got arrested. What I thought was so interesting was that he is on body cam footage and he's standing outside his home in Florida. He is wearing like jean shorts, but he's shirtless, you know, Florida. And uh, the police say, get on the ground, get on the ground. But they say it twice to him while an officer is moving toward him to tackle him. And I can say that watching that video, I'm thinking this guy is posed. He hasn't wrestled anybody. He hasn't. Resisted arrest. He hasn't pulled his hands away. He's just standing there talking to the officers, just talking to them. And all of a sudden, an officer's like, get on the ground, get on the ground. And I mean, there's about a two second pause before he's just straight up NFL style linebacker tackled. He's shirtless on the cement. I mean, just throws him right down. Now, Brad Parscow is obviously startled by this and says, I didn't do anything, but. He allows the officer to put his hands behind his back, put the cuffs on him and and arrest him. And in a sense, the, there's the, the happy ending such as it is to the story is cops didn't have to taser him. Cops didn't have to pull their weapons on him. So they tackled his butt right to the ground. And, I, you know, and I, I I've seen there's some people I really respect out there in social media who say that under the circumstances, this is a legitimate use of police tactics. It's borderline. I, mean, I think it's borderline. Uh, I think under the circumstances. Now, 
he wasn't severely injured. They didn't pull their guns. It's also a lesser issue. But I can I can see that this there sometimes are gray areas. But my point with the Brad Parscale takedown and I'm not even getting into all the campaign stuff. I, I don't know enough about that. Honestly, I don't care. It doesn't run the campaign anymore. And if he stole money, you know, he should pay the price for that. If he didn't, people shouldn't be lying about him. And, and the guy's obviously having a tough time. I, I don't like to ever. And this is true with Democrats. It's true with the left. And Parscale is supposed to be on our team. He's a Republican pro Trump, obviously. Um uh, but I don't like to joyride in the wreckage of other people's lives. I think that that's gross. And this guy is obviously going through a very difficult circumstance. And like I said, I have no personal, I've never met him. So uh, I just see this and I feel badly for the, anyone who's threatening suicide. You feel badly for the guy. If he was in fact threatening suicide, we got to see what the facts are. But I just look at this from the perspective of somebody that all summer, one of the things I kept seeing in the media pushed all the time you know, I tell you, talk to you about the fundamental lie of Black Lives Matter is that black men are being hunted by police without consequence out of racism systematically um, or systemically. Both, you could argue. And that that's a lie. There's another thing that you would hear. This was kind of the secondary lie behind that, that if so and so was white, this wouldn't have happened. And I think that the Pascal takedown here, you have a famous Trump supporting white millionaire who is, to my eyes, not a threat when he's taken down to anybody. He's not, you know, they could have said, sir, put your hands behind your back. They said, get on the ground, which I would, would unsettle me a little bit for a second, too. What do you mean, get on the ground? And no one's even, they could have said, sir, you're under arrest, put your hands behind your back. And then if you won't, but they went with get on the ground. Okay. Uh, and I understand procedurally, they heard there were weapons there. And look, they, but the point here is that they... The cops often rough people up, including white males. And usually they're doing so appropriately. Usually when they use force, cops are correct. Not always. And, you know, it happens to people all the time. And that's not a justification. It's just a let's live in reality, folks. Okay, if Brad Pascal can get suplexed on the pavement outside of his own home when he's shirtless, what, they thought he had a gun hiding in his tiny jean shorts? I mean, maybe, but unlikely guy's shirtless he's talking to them he hasn't attacked anyone and he gets you know it looks like uh looks like they're using him as a tackling dummy and my point here is just you know why it didn't result in tasers and gun because he did not resist arrest and there's a lesson here when the cops are saying you're under arrest you're coming with us you have to comply you don't get to talk about a history of systemic this or that no 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 You have to comply. If there's excessive force, you take that up in the courts. You you don't get to just say, I'm sorry, I'm going to see if I'm stronger than this cop now because I don't want to get arrested today. That leads to tragic outcomes. That leads to very bad things for the cops and for the individual being arrested. There's a lesson here. Here you have a super rich and and well-known. He's down in Florida. He runs the Trump campaign. Uh, white guy who, I mean, they, they really threw his, they threw his butt on the ground. It was harsh. And I wasn't necessary. Eh. But the bigger takeaway that I have is he didn't fight them. He allowed them to cuff him and, and everything was fine. If we look at all these BLM cases we have seen, how many of them involve somebody who resists arrest, fights the cops, pulls their hands away, 
doesn't obey commands, you know, pulls at their taser, goes for their gun. There's a difference here, folks. There's a lesson. And it's a lesson that we would all be better off if people would just be honest about it. Don't fight the cops during an arrest. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I just want to throw this in the mix. Uh, this is kind of a, a throwback to what we we're talking about the last hour, but the libs never learn. They never care about what the facts are. And this Trump tax thing is yet another example of that. Here's uh, Sherrod Brown, who's still doing the whole Russia thing when it comes to Trump, even after we've seen his taxes played too. Most American banks won't, won't quit fight. They quit financing Trump years ago. He turned to Deutsche Bank and Deutsche Bank is, is an outlier and an outlaw among many of the world's banks and the world's legitimate banks. And Trump is clearly, if there's something that Putin has on Trump, we, we hear everything ranging from sex tapes to uh, to huge debt that he owes um, huge money, as, as, as Kamala Harris pointed out. Just Stalin just a lot of money he owes to somebody. And I mean, so clearly some things are going on there and we should know what they are. Trump clearly doesn't want the public to know. It's why his behavior towards the autocrats, especially Putin, is so sordid and so un-American. And I think that um, the more we know, the more even Trump's base will begin to turn against this president. Nope. Everything he said there is bull. This guy has no idea what the heck he's talking about. And he was uh, some Democrats even about a year ago were saying he was going to run for he was going to be a, a pr- real presidential contender. Uh, yeah, uh, what he's saying is complete crap, but they'll never change in 10 years. You'll still have people say the Russians had something on Trump. We know they did. They'll never they'll never change. Doesn't matter what the fact pattern is. Doesn't matter what the reality of this. Uh, this situation is. This is the way it's going to be, folks. They'll believe the Russia crap forever. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. She's back, everybody. Megan Kelly, the one and only. You certainly know her from her time at Fox News, and she's got a new show out now, a podcast, The Megan Kelly Show, which you can all download wherever you listen to podcasts. Right now, it's number two on the iTunes news charts, making a lot of noise already. Fantastic stuff. Megan, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I noticed, here's one thing we have to fix. Apparently, I'm behind Hillary Clinton, which, please, we cannot, we cannot let that stand. No, that is, that is, oh, that is unacceptable. Plus, Hillary's really good at, good Hillary's really good at second place. So, <laughs> you want to make sure that you beat <laughs> yeah, Hillary. So That's really her, whether it's... Whether it's Obama or Trump, Hillary likes to come in second. So tell us uh, what you see right now in the scene. I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we've got you joining us with the debate coming up. And in fact, people will be hearing the debate just a little bit after they hear this interview or they'll be watching the debate, I should say. Someone will watch. I mean, listen on radio. But what are you expecting tonight? Um, theatrics, right? I think Trump, if there's one thing he knows how to do, it's it's keep television interesting. He's the master at it. And the, one of the biggest things that I gleaned from that New York Times report on his taxes was the guy was struggling financially with all of his investments and his properties. It wasn't until he got this, The Apprentice and made over $400 million doing that thing. And why is that? It's because whatever you have to say about Trump, that he's bad at television, is not one of the things. So I think it'll be compelling, right? This is, this is, this is not like a debate between Biden and Mitt Romney. This is, it's going to be on. I think Trump will try to stoke Biden's anger 
Uh, I don't think there's a way of trying him to have his get him to have a senior moment. You know, like you could give him like a riddle. <laughs> you really wanted to be mean. You could go to your kid's brain teaser book. <laughs> See how he does. Um, and I think if Trump can make it through the COVID section of the night without getting too beat up, he'll do okay. Do you think that Biden's going to be able to evade on the following two issues that I'm going to bet? I mean, look, it would be malpractice if Trump didn't go after him on these in these two areas. One is the Democrat Party's really open support of I I know that they try to parse this, but support of the BLM movement that has led to a lot of riots over the summer. They can say that there was mostly peaceful stuff going on, too, but the riots are what we all remember. Uh, Do you think that he can corner him on that one? And also, do you think he can force Biden, whether it's Chris Wallace or or Trump, to answer the question about whether he's going to pack the Supreme Court? I I think that that's a completely valid question. Yes, I think I think Wallace is going to ask that. I think Wallace, the way you do it at at a debate as the moderator is you pack into the question the candidate's previous attempts to dodge. So you'd say something like, you know, Vice President Biden, I understand that you said you're not going to play that game. And that's Trump's game when it comes to whether you'll pack the Supreme Court. But the fact remains that some people within the Democratic Party and some well-known intellectuals within the party are pushing hard for that to be your very first move. Will you tell this audience sitting at home right now trying to decide whether to vote for you based on this issue, whether that is on the table and something you might be prepared to do? And as soon as he started to wobble, I would jump in and say, so no, you're not answering the question. Just let's make clear. You're not going to answer. Where were you? And for everyone, we're speaking to Megan Kelly. She's got a new show out podcast, The Megan Kelly Show, which you can download wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, please give it a rating because it's brand new. So you tell other folks out there what you think about it. Um, obviously, fantastic. But Megan, I got to admit one thing that I've I like to tell the audience about how I'm, I'm right about most of the big stuff. Of course. Right. I'm a radio host. So I do that a lot. <laughs> But one area, I mean, you got it. But one area where I have to admit I was wrong was from the beginning. I was just saying there's no way Biden's actually going to. I mean, at the beginning of the primary, right? There's no way Biden's actually going to be the candidate. And now we're seeing all of the, you know, the the lids being called on the campaign day after day. I think eight of them or 10 of them in September already. This this senior moments, I think, to charitably call them all the reasons some of us thought that he would not end up as the candidate is, is this a surprising circumstance to you that, that Joe Biden's even in this debate tonight? Or have you just made peace with that and said, OK, this is what we got? Look, I think the mainstream Democratic Party is not nearly as far left as the AOC wing of it. And her wing is not big enough yet to control the nomination process. And let's not forget the press. The press killed Bernie Sanders. You know, the, the left wing press, which is redundant, um, decided there was no way they were going with Bernie, that he couldn't beat Trump. And they got rid of Bernie. And I think that's why the Bernie Sanders supporters are so irritated because they saw the media do it. They're biased towards the right and they're biased towards the the left wing of their own party. So they got what they wanted, which is Joe Biden, who they thought was pretty moderate. And now they're trying to just keep the guy upright just so they can get him across the finish line on November 3rd. I mean, it's very obvious to me that the, the the most Democrats are out there like just, you know, it's the same thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where they really just wanted to get her to January. It's with Biden. It's like, just say very little. Just don't don't have a lot of those moments before November 3rd. When you get to November 4th, you can do whatever intelligence test or memory test or whatever you want to do. But just keep, keep quiet between now and then. Yeah. Which I, is why tonight's going to be so interesting. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think that if the Democrats end up losing, 
with Biden as their nominee, they have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, they had a field of about 20 candidates and they went with the guy that a lot of us, I mean, I admitted I was one of them. A lot of us were saying there's just no way he's too old. He's lost so many presidential uh, elections in the past or presidential campaigns. He didn't even get to the, the general. And, and it's the same thing with the Ruth Bader Ginsburg situation. A lot of very intelligent people, including Democrats, were saying during the Obama years, hey, guys, I know you all love her push-up routines and her amazing, you know, uh, stuff that she does in the gym and all this and the RBG action figures. Those are all real things, as you remember. But really, it would be better for the Democrats if we put somebody who had a longer and they didn't do it. And, you know, elections have consequences. Decisions have consequences. I think the decision to put Joe Biden forward and the decision to have RBG could end up being really very uh, sad stories for the Democrats in the long run when they look at what actually ends up happening from this. But, Megan, I, I want to ask you, you're back now. What do you want to do? I mean, you were somebody who you had a, a primetime show at Fox. You had a, a you know, a national show at, N- at NBC. Now you've started your own podcast. It's obviously getting a lot of listens already. What's the Megan Kelly show all about now? It's about free speech to begin with. It's about being able to say what you want freely and openly about any idea, any new subject, there, there are no golden cows, right? Like, we're going to talk about all the issues, the third rails of our national discussion, and we're going to do it freely and openly and honestly. And we may not always agree, my guest and I, but no one's going to get penalized by not being able to say something, say something. That I'm so upset about what's happening in our country now where there's a segment of the, of the podcast that we're doing that, that I, I call, you can't say that or do that or think that. Oh, wait, this is America, you know, and and to some extent, that's really what got me off of my couch, you know, because I was having a lovely time off. And the thing that really started to irritate me was how many people were getting fired for saying one quote wrong thing and number of teenagers who are getting kicked out of colleges for having the wrong thought or having a stupid moment. And I really I think those of us who have the ability to create a, a forum where ideas can be discussed openly and honestly without fear of cancellation or the mob coming. Maybe they'll come, but they'll have no power. The more of us should do it because it's time to start fighting back against, you know, even the people who will never criticize Trump. They need to understand sometimes it's worth criticizing him. You need to understand what he does when it's when it's genuinely bad versus when the mainstream media is constantly telling you it's bad. And we need somebody to fight back against those woke scolds who has a platform and and who can get guests who will come on who you know maybe won't go on some of the other shows all right sounds good to me megan good luck to you thank you so much for joining us everybody should go check out the megan kelly show it's in the apple podcast store or wherever you listen to podcasts the uh various platforms that folks like out there and also make sure you give it a rating megan thank you so much for joining and great to see you thank you sir good to see you all, all the best you're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I will say that when you talk to the Trump campaign and when you talk to White House officials, they point to the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, um, and saying that, that this maybe could help them with some women, some at least evangelical white women, um, looking at this and saying, well, this is the president putting up a woman for one of the highest and most um, revered jobs in the country. But there are a lot of, of course, women who are also looking at Judge Barrett saying she is a threat to my reproductive rights, she's a threat to women's rights. And when you see it in that regard, she could be her hurting President Trump, and he could then be having even more problems with women. 
Uh, yeah, there's, I think, PBS correspondent uh, Yamiche Alcindor uh, telling everybody the well, her political analysis of the Coney Barrett, the ACB, that's what we're going to call her because the libs hate it when we do, the ACB nomination. Notice the language. Reproductive rights, women's rights. What women's rights? Other than a federal right to abortion that no one really believes is in the Constitution, but they pretend. Other than that, what are the women's rights that Amy Coney Barrett is a threat to? ACB has had a career that 99.9% of dudes out there in America would be like, wow, that's a great that's a great legal career. I mean, now, I mean, before she was nominated for the Supreme Court, and they're really going to try this. She's a she's submissive. You know, she just does her husband's. To, uh, obeys her husband's will like she's some uh, handmaid's tale uh, automaton a throwback to you know male female relations in the 19th century or something i mean is that really what they're gonna try i just think that they don't have they don't have very much here at all they're flailing and they're so desperate to get something uh big going against acb right now it's just all desperation it was so smart. I'm sorry. Anybody who thought putting a male forward for this nomination would have been a good idea. Look, I'm not saying it's right or fair that this is the case. I'm just saying that if you look at the politics, they absolutely would have me to whoever the guy was. They would have found somebody because because there are a lot of women, unfortunately, a lot of women who are, uh, you know, ad- adhere to this, you know, modern third wave or whatever it is, feminism. And and it, they think that me too is a movement not based on individual in the individual truth of the allegations don't matter it's a movement where you have to be all in or nothing you're not allowed to say yeah harvey weinstein's a, a dirtbag and and uh, should get everything that's coming to him but justice kavanaugh didn't do anything no 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 if you're me too you're supposed to be all in all the way and whoever it is that they're told is a target of me too they're supposed to go after and oppose and that's uh that's why you couldn't have a guy uh, couldn't have a male as the uh, as the option here um so we'll have to see we we should also hear from noted legal scholar uh, Whoopi goldberg on acb play four well perhaps if we can keep in mind that the united states of america is made up of so many different religions and groups that your religion is just part of the religious thought process in the united states so when you are ruling as a judge you you can't rule as a catholic judge or a jewish judge you have to rule as a judge you cannot bring what you think you need to do because we're not a we're not a catholic country we're not a jewish country we're the united states of America. We have lots of Muslims. So you can't go by your faith. You can only go by the rule of law here. That's my first thing. And maybe judges need to recuse themselves because if you are a judge of faith and you come upon something you don't feel comfortable deciding on, you're going to go with your faith. Did you know that 70 percent of America identifies as Christian? I just I would wonder if she understands that. Uh, I would also want to know why is it that we always have to have this conversation about the dogma lives loudly within you as Senator Feinstein. Oh, we'll get to her mask thing in a little bit. The dogma lives loudly within you. Uh, You have to recuse yourself if it touches on issues of your faith. But did anyone say that about Sotomayor? 
right? Is that, does anyone ever bring up, did anyone bring up these issues when it comes to a liberal Supreme Court justice? No, only when there's a conservative is religious faith and, and Christian religious faith an issue. I think that's so interesting, isn't it? Um, almost like there's not really a principle here. There's just people who are upset that they're not getting their way. Um, Senator John Kennedy down in Louisiana, I think he un- he understands the dynamics here and how this is going to go. Play eight. It's only Monday. So far, Judge Barrett has been called uh, a religious bigot, a racist, an anti-feminist, a um, anti-public health. Her opponents haven't gotten around yet to calling her an alien lizard person, but it'll it'll come. Um, before it's over with, I'm afraid that they'll, they'll accuse her of drowning little warm puppies. That's not what this is all about, though. I think almost all of my Democratic colleagues uh, know that none of these things are true. And yet they'll say them anyway. And I don't think we should let this go. I don't think you should just make this deal in your mind that, oh, it's politics. No, a good person a moral and decent human being would recoil at the thought, would, would find it outlandish that anybody would, um, would uh, think it's okay to call into question a person's fundamental character with lies. Right? There is no political party, there's no politician or political motive in America in existence that would make me knowingly and, and willingly say that I believe someone is a rapist in front of his wife, in front of his children, because I didn't want them to get a job, knowing that that's a lie. There's, there's something really sick and immoral about this, friends. We, we shouldn't just let this go. I understand we're all prepared for them to smear ACB in whatever ways they can. That doesn't even make it a little bit more okay. In fact, if anything, it shows us how uh, morally repugnant the left and the Democrat Party has become, that this is no problem. They lied about Kavanaugh. They lied about him. I mean, they, they had people coming forward who no intelligent human being could believe were credible witnesses of what they were saying happened. I mean, the third, Swetnick, when she came forward, she didn't even believe it. Just attention-seeking nonsense and, and deeply destructive, but they put her forward. No one was ever held to account for this. Nobody was ever punished for this. So I just think I'm not willing to just part with the idea that anyone who will make the kind of allegations against Amy Coney Barrett that we know are coming, just because it's politics doesn't make it okay. People who do this are bad people, friends, and they deserve your scorn. They, They deserve disrespect. Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What are we going to see tonight, friends? It's coming up here in just a little bit. And we've got somebody who can certainly tell us how one side's preparing, getting ready, and viewing this as an opportunity for the president to make his clear case to the American people about why he should get four more years. We have Hogan Gidley with us now. He is the national uh national press secretary for the trump campaign Hogan, great to have you on oh buck thanks so much for the time i really appreciate it uh so 
What are we what are we going to see tonight from this president? I mean, I know he's going to be giving us his pitch, but give us a preview of how the president's going to explain to those those undecideds why he should get those four more years. Well, elections are about choices. And what you have with Donald Trump is a 47 month long career in politics of record setting successes. What you have with Joe Biden is a 47-year-long record uh, of failure in politics. Nothing Joe Biden ever accomplished in the past went to improve the lives of the American people. It shuttered 60,000 manufacturing plants, for for example, 850,000 jobs gone because of his embrace of that horrific NAFTA deal. His decisions with China, giving them favored nation status and, and their entry into the WTO, cost American workers three and a half million jobs that went straight to that communist nation. That's all on Joe Biden's watch. And what he's trying to sell to the American people is that all of a sudden, after 50 years of this failure, half of a century's worth of doing nothing for you, now I'm going to start working on your behalf. I don't think the American people are going to buy what Joe Biden is selling. But for the president, as he talks directly to the American people, it's incumbent upon him to remind them just how bad off people were with those depressed wages, some of the information I just cited under Joe Biden's policies, and how fast and how quickly President Trump rebuilt this economy. In just a few years, we had more jobs than there were people to fill them. African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, and women were employed at record numbers. We had cut taxes. We rebuilt the military. Uh, He defeated ISIS, made trade deals that actually benefited American workers for the first time in decades. The forgotten men and women of this country were forgotten no more. This president accomplished all that. And one more thing is he points to the future of the nation, something Joe Biden and Democrats can't talk about, because for four days in their convention, they basically tried to sell the American people that America is inherently evil. It's the cause of the world's problems. We don't believe that. That's a flat-out lie, and this country is great. If we had difficulties, of course, but we come out of those difficulties together stronger because we have fought through them as Americans. This is the greatest idea ever realized. This country is a force for good, uh, of strength, of freedom all over the world, and the president will point to the fact that his policies made people's lives better in a country that affords them the opportunities that they could never get anywhere else on the planet. We're speaking to Hogan Gidley, National Press Secretary for the Trump campaign. Hogan, uh, Chris Wallace from Fox is a moderator tonight. And you know, look, he's built a, a longstanding reputation for asking questions of, of both sides that could be called challenging. One area where he's expected to challenge the president on, on his record is going to be on the response to COVID-19. And I think the Democrats believe, especially with the change in perception around BLM and the riots this summer, that the COVID response is the single area they can drill down the most and perhaps have to have the biggest gains among those undecided voters. How, how is the president going to frame and, and not just defend, but, but really just expand upon the, uh, the good decisions that he made in his response to the COVID pandemic? I mean, what, what's his case going to be? Well, what we know is that this pandemic has killed more than 200,000 people in this country. It was unleashed by China on America. Uh, It was um, unprecedented. It was unforeseen uh, what that communist nation was going to do to the world, uh, not just this country. And and the president's going to hold them to account. We already know Joe Biden wouldn't do that. He said he'd relieve 
tariffs on, on China and not punish them at all for their decision and even give money back to the World Health Organization, uh, uh, which the president rightly stripped away because they were complicit in lying to the world about this uh, pandemic. But we know for a fact it would be worse under Joe Biden because he said he would never have canceled flights from China and from Europe. Doctors Fauci, Burks, Hahn, Redfield all came forward and said that one decision by this president saved countless lives in this country. One death is too many. One death is tragic. 200 plus thousand is a horrific thing uh, in this country. But early estimates were two and a half million people dead. It's because of this president's leadership, because he was able to rebuild the stockpile and give all of the states the PPE, the gloves, the gowns, the masks, the ventilators. All the Democrat governors said how, how powerfully this president led them through this and gave them every single thing they needed. Joe Biden left the stockpile depleted. And by the way, one of the reasons we didn't have any of the stuff in the stockpile was because guess who's in charge of producing all of it? China, because of what Joe Biden did with those trade policies that let China run the market. So we had to develop public-private partnerships in this country. The American corporation stepped up and started manufacturing the things we needed here to protect ourselves from this virus. Then the president also put in, uh, in place the task force that met with governors every week to work with them as well. This is a chance for the president to point out Joe Biden doesn't have a clue on how to handle a global pandemic in a time of crisis. This president does. He's led us through it. We're getting a handle on this. And as we begin job recovery and other things in this country, it's the president whose peace and prosperity message from the first four years can continue into the next four. Hogan, you're out there. I know this is an unusual campaign season, to put it mildly, unlike any other in my lifetime or yours. But you're out there as the national press secretary for the campaign uh, at the events that are going on. We see them on TV. The president is, is taking his message to the people. What are you hearing? I mean, I'm sure you're in contact with a lot of Trump voters when you go to these arenas, when you're going to these. Sure. What, what are the what are the things that are on the forefront of their minds and the questions that they would want to see answered in a debate like tonight? That's a great question and one I've, I've not received yet, um, but but we point to it a lot. And, you know, I was on a show recently where they said, oh, the president's kind of deviated from the safety and security message and the law and order message. And I said, what are you talking about? He tweets about it multiple times a week. He talks about it when he, when he has gatherings for events. And I was in North Carolina with Laura Trump and Diamond and Silk on the Women for, bus, uh, Women for Trump bus tour. I crashed the party and I showed up in North Carolina. We talked to a lot of moms out there and without fail, top two issues Every single one of them said we want safety and security in our city streets. We want to be able to carry a firearm. Uh, the Second Amendment we want protected, but we also want federal assets in our town to restore peace and restore order in these Democrat-controlled cities, in these Democrat-controlled states. They say that is a real problem because their children cannot play safely. They can't themselves can't walk down the street or drive down the street without being concerned for rioters and looters and protesters, all of the Joe Biden supporters out there locking arms, not worrying about COVID, by the way, not wearing masks, because I guess the virus doesn't exist as long as you're smashing in storefronts and stealing merchandise or beating up innocent Americans. But that's what they care about. They really love the fact this president has produced for them. And one of the, one of the most interesting points I'd like to, to say, here's what I hear a lot of. It's not that they like every tweet or love everything the president says, but what they are sick and tired of are decades of politicians 
talking about doing things and not doing things, being the perfect candidate on paper, being the perfect candidate on television, but not delivering for their family. This president has delivered for their families. They appreciate that. They respect that. They want four more years of it. Hogan, before we let you go back to helping run this campaign, which uh, all the people listening right now are hoping you're successful in doing, myself included. So uh, I just want to know how How's the president's mindset right now? How's he feeling? You talk to him all the time going into this. What can you tell us about the president's vision of what he's going to try to do and just just how he's doing, given all the pressure he's under? Uh, he's, he's actually in a great place right now. Really excited about finally getting, you know, getting to the uh, to the to the show tonight, having that debate, taking that message directly to the American people. It's patriotic. It's unifying. It's uplifting. You don't have to rely on the filter of the mainstream media anymore. You can see these two people side by side. We know that, you know, Joe Biden's been doing this now for 50 years. We know he's had 11 debates in just this cycle alone, beating 20 plus Democrat candidates to become the nominee. And we know that the media is going to cover for him. And whatever he does or whatever he doesn't do, they will say he won the debate. They'll make mountains out of molehills where they need to. They'll make molehills out of mountains where they need to. Whatever they can do to put their handpicked candidate uh, into the White House, they're going to try and do it because Joe Biden's embraced all of those radical policies, all the radical ideologies that they themselves as members of the media love and want this country to be, uh, you know, remade in the in the image of socialism, if you will. So the president's excited about the opportunity to expose the differences between the two candidates uh, and talk about his vision, not just of, of, of the future, but also remind people just where we were and how many successes this president was able to do in such a short amount of time that went to improve the lives of all Americans. National Press Secretary for the Trump campaign, Hogan Gidley. Hogan, thanks so much for joining. Good luck. Anytime. Thanks so much, Buck. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Do you really believe that Joe Biden will be on any type of performance-enhancing drug ahead of the debates, or are you just joking? No, I'm not joking. I mean, I'm willing to take a drug test. I think he should, too, because he's had a very uneven. I watched him with uh, some of the when he was with, you know, debating Pocahontas and uh, Harris, who treated him so badly. But I watched him and he was out of it. Right. And then I watched him against Bernie Sanders and he was okay. I mean, he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. He was okay. A far cry from the way he, uh, you know what I'm saying. I mean, if you look at some of those debates, I said there's no way he can continue. He can't continue. Then all of a sudden he debated crazy Bernie Sanders. And you know what? The truth is he was he was okay. And I said, how did he go from there with those horrible performances to where he was okay? And I always joke, but, you know, it is true. He was no Winston Churchill in debating, but he was fine. And let's just understand what the president's doing here. First of all, he's poking Biden, right? He's he's trying to get under his skin. He's trying to to agitate uh, Joe Biden. And I think he is going to be successful in that. Right? I think that that is likely to work. Joe Biden's a guy who you see him. He's done this on the campaign trail. He's lost his temper with voters. I mean, he's really not a very disciplined politician, my friends. He's not a very talented politician. He's not a very disciplined politician either. This guy's lucky. He's the guy who gets the job that no one thinks he should have, but he's just been around long enough. He's just a, he's just a, a survivor in the business. There are people like that in the news media. They're just around so long. People know their face or know their voice. 
And so, okay, I guess this person's good or worth listening to or whatever, but not really. He's that guy in politics. He's just been around the game forever, never wants to give it up. And uh, he, he doesn't have it, folks. He, he just does not have what one needs to be president, which is why when Trump's joking about his performance enhancing drugs, or he's not joking, Trump is serious about it. It makes people ask the question, yeah, how exactly are we supposed to think that Joe Biden's going to have the energy and the mental acuity to do all of this? And then you get uh, Congressman Kevin McCarthy, who asks an important question here, uh, or, or brings up the question of, can Biden, even if he won, do you think he'd, he'd actually be able to finish out his first term, play 18? This is an election not about Republican versus Democrat. This is about freedom versus socialism. Even President Obama said there yep. is no difference between Joe Biden and Barney and uh, Bernie Sanders. And think of this. For the last 14 yep. days, seven of those 14, Joe Biden has called a lid in the morning. I'm not sure about what's going on with him, but it concerns me because I've watched our current president be able to go to three yep. different states in one day, name a Supreme Court justice, have peace in the middle. Middle East even closer, all within one or two days. And Joe Biden can't even decide whether he can talk to the American people or the press. That is not somebody who mm. could withstand the office of the presidency and make the decisions we need. You have to remember. The Democrats who hate Trump don't care if Joe Biden can't actually do the job. All they care about is that Trump doesn't have the job and that there's a Democrat in that role. And then they will mold and shift and coerce and demand from that Democrat what they need. So don't think that there's some there's some common ground we hold with them on this. No, not at all. In fact, if anything, they're just committed to doing whatever it takes, saying whatever it takes. Here, here's Kamala Harris say, referring to Trump as an as an infection. Play 12. But we will not give up and we will not give in. We will not let the infection that President Trump has injected into the presidency and into Congress that has paralyzed our politics and pitted Americans against each other spread to the United States Supreme Court. She's just not a very good politician, friends. She's just not very likable, but I, I know, you know, we're going to people are going to say otherwise. Democrats, of course, are going to say otherwise. I don't think much is going to change here. All right, I've got a little bit of uh, switching gears here before we get into roll call. <sighs> I swear, this guy Fauci, he's not going to be happy until he truly ruins the country. Um, I'm, I'm already seeing in, in New York every day now the drumbeat of we're going to have a, we're going to lock down and you're going to see the blue states are going to want to do lockdowns in advance of pandemic surges to prevent the surge. But so that just means now, now we're locked. We went from quarantine the sick to quarantine everybody to now quarantine everybody in advance of there being that many sick people in the first place. And when is this going to end? The answer is, if, if we allow it to continue like this, I don't know if it's ever going to end. I think you're going to be told to wear masks during flu season now and everyone's going to be paranoid. We have to just say enough, enough. They've even told you a vaccine is not going to be the end of it for them. So if a vaccine doesn't make this thing stop, what does? Make these lockdowns stop, I mean. 
here, here is here is Fauci on exactly what I'm saying. It's it's time to double down. We need to double down here. You know, the mitigation and the effects of the of the masks. It's really important. You know, I, I've seen these reports on Fox. It's not nice what they're saying about. We'll get into all that. Play seven. What you make of Florida's decision to ease those restrictions, opening up bars and restaurants? Well, that is very concerning to me. I mean, I have, we have always said that myself and Dr. Deborah Burks, who's the coordinator of the task force, that that is something we really need to be careful about. Because when you're dealing with community spread and you have the kind of congregate setting where people get together, particularly without masks, you're really asking for trouble. Now's the time, actually, to double down a bit. And I don't mean close. When I say that, people get concerned that we're talking about shutting down. We're not talking about shutting anything down. We're talking about common sense type of public health measures that we've been talking about all along. I want you to remember this because that same voice that's talking about not shutting down within 60 days, he's going to be saying, I'm, you know, we got to shut down. I looked at the data. We got to shut down. This is all this guy does. That's all he does. Has no, what's, what's the advice that he gives people that's helpful? No, nothing. He just takes the worst possible scenario and then demands the, the most extreme response to it and always feels like he's some kind of a hero and doesn't like anyone else bringing up that there's been a lot of bad ideas, bad thoughts, bad policy in this whole process. Play six. Some of the, the media that I deal with uh, really kind of, uh, I wouldn't say distort things, but certainly give opposing perspectives on what seems to be a pretty obvious fact. If you listen to Fox News, you know, with all due respect to the fact that they do have some good reporters, some of the things that they report there are outlandish, to be honest with you. I'm concerned that sometimes things are said that are uh, really taken either out of context or are actually incorrect. What exactly is incorrect that has been reported on Fox? I, I think he should say it, right? You're going to call out the only non-lib news channel with full-spectrum cable distribution in the country. And you're a public, you're a public health expert. You're like the public health dictator now. What are they saying that's not true? We really, I think we're talking about debates. I think the American people deserve another debate. I think we should have, forget about these COVID task force updates from Burks and Fauci and all that. I want to have Fauci with whatever paper and preparation he wants debating Scott Atlas, Dr. Atlas, with whatever paper and preparation he wants and see who the American people believe. That's the debate I want to see after tonight. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. On Instagram, Buck Sexton. Send a direct message to the account there. We will see that as well. But be nice. Usually you are. Not everybody. Sometimes the libs find me. I hate your stupid face and all the stupid things you say. And you should just go jump off a bridge. What, 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 what people? What is wrong with them? You know? You don't like my podcast? It's the best podcast you can hear anywhere in politics? Then don't listen. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. Come on, libs. Grow up. Anyway, um, 
Also, Buck Sexton book. Oh, I didn't mention that today on the show. Buck Sexton book. Get the Socialism Survival Guide. Get that copy sent to you, delivered right to you. BuckSextonBook.com. The Socialism Survival Guide with eight radical predictions that will come true after the election. So it's not just about the issues in the election. It's what's going to happen afterwards, where the country is headed, what kind of socialism we are in store for. BuckSextonBook.com. Please pick up a copy, team. I've been telling you I'm going to write a book for a while. Wrote one. I'm going to write another one soon after this, but get this one. BuckSextonBook.com. All right. Oh, also, I finished uh, season two of Cobra Kai last night. It was great until the very last episode, and then it went off the rails a little bit. Producer Mark, have you seen it yet? No, not yet. I can't watch that show about the creek because I can never talk about the creek on air without, I feel like, getting us in FCC trouble. I mean, I think it won every Emmy possible, right? Yeah, but I feel like if I were to talk about it, I'd be up creek without a paddle. Yeah, you, I think people understand what you're talking about. Yes. Just say the, the show that won all the Mitt. Emmys this year. Rhymes with Mitt, like Mitt Romney, that creek. It's a, it's a very... That's very a good idea. Show. Let's just call it Mitt's Creek. Mitt's Creek. I agree. Yeah, and there, there, there you have it. Yeah, it did. I know it did very well this year. Not that I watched those award shows, but I heard about how yeah, it did. I, well I didn't watch it. I just show. saw Twitter exploding because, you know, it's rare one show wins like seven Emmys. Yeah, producer Nick agrees. Producer Nick, uh, he watched Cobra Kai. It got out of control, man. I, and I was up to that episode. I was like, they've done such a better job with this than I would have expected. The writing is pretty funny. They make the kids, you know, the high school kids stories pretty, you know, watchable and relatable and stuff. And they do a really good job with the show. Johnny Lawrence is a great character, very well acted, very likable, but flawed guy. And he's funny, and I like the way they work in the 80s nostalgia stuff with his music. And, and then the, the, the final episode of season two, it just got too, got too Hollywood. You know, it got a little, a little ahead of itself. It wasn't necessary. So anyway, and a little too intense. But if you guys haven't seen Cobra Kai, I highly recommend it. First, go to BuckSexandBook.com and get a copy of the Socialism Survival Guide. Then if you want, you can watch uh, on Netflix, Cobra Kai. Um, you know, people were all telling me to cut the cord a while ago. Now I'm supposed to cut the non-cord things like Hulu and Netflix because it's all run by libs. I'm like, guys, what am I? I can't watch professional sports. I'm supposed to cut the cord. I'm not supposed to subscribe to Netflix anymore. Like, what's left? I'm gonna be watching uh, Turner Classic Movies all day. You could read a book. Well, yeah, I do a lot of reading. I just I I don't need help with that one. I've actually just finished uh, a book on. Uh, it's called City of Fortune, written by Crowley on the rise, the ascent of Venice as a uh, trading and merchant superpower in the Mediterranean from about the year 1000 to the year 1600 or so. Oh, my God. I almost fell asleep when you were just reading about what you read about. I just, you know, wow. you're lucky when I talk about the Netflix stuff, producer bar, because if this turns into book reviews, we're going to have to give you some extra extra coffee to keep you awake. Yeah, there's no other option there. You have to keep me awake then. Let's see what Benny has to say. Hey, Buck, you and Bruce and Mark are the best podcasts on the net by far. After this weekend's revelations about the FBI text messages between mid-low level agents, it has me reassessing how far down the rot goes. They knew they were pursuing a suspect in search of a crime, yet there were no whistleblowers. No one had the intestinal fortitude to stand up. I had always assumed it was only the 0.1% at the top that lacked character and could not be trusted. Now we know differently. If the situation had been Trump pushing an investigation like this on anyone, the rats would have been crawling over each other to get a report to Congress first. So disheartening. What say you? 
Um, yeah, Benny, no, I think that there is a more widespread culture of, uh, first of all, protect the bureaucracy at all costs, but also, remember, Democrats, this, the, the, the Democrat mentality is to infuse your politics into everything you do because it's really a religion replacement for them. I think as a conservative, you want to, if you're a Christian and you're a conservative, you want to live your Christian ideals through your life in every way you can, and then your politics are conservative. Uh, for Democrats, even the ones that say they're Christian, generally speaking, it's more of a nominal cultural tradition thing for them. And and their real religion replacement is their party affiliation and, and their political ideology. And so they want to infuse that into all parts of life. What's my evidence for this? Sports, comedy, media of all kinds, news media. I mean, they can't help it. They want everything to be politicized. And Democrats that work in the bureaucracy do the same thing. They don't see something as just being in America's interest. They will see something as being in the interest of America and at the expense of those bad un-American Republicans. That's always that's the, the adjunct. That's the, the corollary that they have. So I, I do think that that's a, a big problem. And I think it's only going to be we're only going to see more of it as the truth continues to come out. Assuming we have four more years of a Trump presidency. You guys all know I was telling you, don't expect the Durham probe to be some big thing. You know, we've we heard all this great stuff about what a straight shooter he was. But we heard that about Comey, for heaven's sake. So how are we supposed to know? But I don't think the Durham probe is not coming out before the election. And what impact could it really have after the election? I mean, if Trump loses, let's say the Biden administration is going to say, yeah, whatever. They might even shut it down. Who knows? Yeah, we don't need that. Thanks. Then what happens? Nothing. You think a Biden DOJ would prosecute anyone that was part of the soft coup against the president, uh, President Trump. You think they would? Of course not. Probably give them a medal, give them a, a performance uh, increase on their salary. No, no way they would uh, actually clean house with the bureaucracy. I mean, that's laughable. We all know that. All right. Don. Hey, Buck, does the left not remember these tax codes? Our president evidently knows backward and forward were written by, as a majority, the Democratic Party. I say President Trump should, by executive order, require all Democrat senators and House of Representatives to forego, or sorry, to undergo an IRS audit, beginning with Nancy Pelosi, shields high. Well, Don, I know you're being a little tongue-in-cheek there. Obviously, we don't want, we don't advocate for using the bureaucracy as a weapon against our political opponents, but Democrats do. They think that's great. They, they love the idea of using the bureaucracy as a weapon against people that they disagree with. They did it against the Tea Party in 2011-2012. The IRS was weaponized against the Tea Party. That's just a fact. And now everyone pretends like, oh, I don't know if that... No, it really happened. Uh, so we need to hold them to account for this. And the problem is, if you don't have a Republican administration, then there will be no accountability for this, even when you find out about it. It's very troubling, friends. When people are being prosecuted for their politics, when we have a two tiered justice system, one for Democrats, one for Republicans, there's this this central ground, this this uh, this common fabric that holds us together in this country. And it starts to get ripped and it starts to get torn asunder and it gets weaker. And it's getting weaker every day now. It's not good. It's a it's a very serious problem the country faces. It's beyond even just this one election, although this election certainly plays into it in a big way. BK. 
Bruce and Mark, were you ever a Burger King guy or always McDonald's? Uh, I dabbled eating at Burger King, but it wasn't my favorite. on whether the BK broiler was better than the Big Mac? Um, I'm very picky with sauces, so I always preferred a Whopper because it didn't have any mayo-like sauce on it, and I hate mayo. The Whopper doesn't have sauce. So- oh, so that's Wendy's, right? What do you mean? Is, isn't the Whopper a Wendy's thing, or is that a... The Whopper no. is Burger King. The Big Mac uh-huh. is McDonald's. What is the Wendy's burger called? I don't think the, they, don't they have, have a, a, name a name for it. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I obviously can't eat much in the way of fast food because of all the, all the gluten and all of it, but I was just wondering if that's a thing. Coke and Pepsi do taste differently. I have figured that out. So. Uh, yeah, that. C- congratulations. Everyone yeah, I got that, that going for me, which is, which is nice. BK writes, Buck, tonight's show is brilliant. A warning bell for the clear and present danger the Democrats present. Shields High in Pontotoc County, Oklahoma. BK, very kind of you, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you writing in. And uh, hope all's well out in Pontotoc. I don't know if I said that right, but I tried. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Oh, man, we're getting up close to it. Going to be this debate in just a matter of minutes, my friends, at least from when you're listening to this broadcast on radio. Just a matter of minutes. Going to see how Joe stacks up against the Trumpster. I think uh, we don't know. We don't know. I I mean, I believe Trump's going to be great, but we got to see. We got to see what kind of Biden shows up. I've heard they're checking to see if he has any special uh, earpiece put in or something to give him answers when he's on the debate stage. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, he really is a puppet. The whole thing is so absurd. TJ Buck, I second Jimmy's theory from yesterday. They're trying to adjust Joe. My wife works at a long term care facility, and she has told me that dementia uh, dementia patients experience what is called sundowning later in the day. This is usually the time when they display the worst symptoms that people associate with dementia. If it's true that Biden is in the early stages of dementia, his team would have to try to mitigate this by pretty much reversing his sleep schedule, seeing as the debate isn't until 9 p.m. tonight. Well, TJ, uh, I think, you know, you, you and your wife know a whole lot more about this than I do. Um, I, I, I do think that they have been very obviously trying to uh, limit Joe Biden's energy output for weeks now. So that he'll be up for this. And, uh, you know, all that it takes is that guy to look. Because remember, folks, he, he's not he's not running for chairman of like the best fudge factory in town or something. Right. I mean, he, he's running to be the president of the United States, leader of the free world. That there's any real question about his physical ability to do this. Should be disqualifying in a sane universe, but we're not in a sane universe. we got too many Democrats running around. There you go. James, I've listened to all the podcasts for about six months. I'm suggesting that the attack of the Dems against ACB will be on the academic front. Some former classmate, student or colleague will come forward purporting that she in some way cheated, plagiarized or committed some other academic fraud. It's not enough to torpedo her nomination. They must make any future work in academia unlikely, if not impossible. Total destruction of a candidate. Any Trump nominee is their mission. Shields high and lone ACB one if you have an extra. Uh, James, I think you may be correct here in that there's a very real chance in my mind that they will try some kind of an an attack on ACB's academic 
record like that. But that will not be sufficient in my analysis. That will that would not be enough. I mean, Republicans will still vote for Amy Coney Barrett, even if they find that uh, someone alleged that she plagiarized something, you know, in 1983 or whatever. Remember, Joe Biden plagiarized a speech when he was a politician. Uh, you know, Joe Biden got into trouble for that when he was running for president the last time. So the, I, I don't think that that's enough. No, what they're looking for, they want to find either ACB associated with someone. It's not going to be her associated with someone, probably some kind of religious affiliation that's really anti-gay or really uh, you know, racially insensitive in some way and then try to use that as the line of attack against her. And I don't even know if the racially insensitive or, or racist connection remember not her but someone that she's affiliated with or you know whatever it may be they try to just you know muddy muddy up the the confirmation process a little bit uh the anti-gay thing that i think they're going to go for that i think they're going to go for that i I don't know if that will be a sufficient line of attack to I, i doubt it but i've thought this through many many times and they're just not used to having somebody who is female and and academically credentialed like this as a conservative judge, as the person to attack? They 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 they've, they attacked Kavanaugh, they attacked uh, Miguel Estrada, they attacked Bork. I mean, they've done the, they attacked Clarence Thomas, right? They know how to go after guys in this role. They haven't gone after, but I'm not saying they won't, folks. I'm not, look. I'm the one who keeps warning you. We could get to. The, the, the ninth inning of this confirmation process, and then we see what the real assault is. Then we see what the real... That's what they did to Kavanaugh. So that wouldn't be surprising in a sense at all, right? The whole idea is to get through everything and then at the very last minute try to unsettle the opposition, unsettle the other side by, by throwing something into the mix that they could not have anticipated. Tristan... If the ACB is treated to even a hint of what Kavanaugh went through, I really think all hell will break loose. Why should she be subjected to this ill treatment is beyond me. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. It's common knowledge that no pick by President Trump will get a pass from the left. Partisanship is basically dead in the water right now. The Supreme Court is now politicized and has to be steered back to the Constitution. I mean, Tristan, I think you're right. But remember, the Democrats are perfectly willing to be unreasonable about all of this. Uh, they're, they're not they're not approaching this from a place of decency or morals. So telling them that they're being immoral and indecent in the way they attack ACB. Sadly, isn't going to do very much. Uh, but I hear you, Tristan. Good thoughts. Good, uh, good, good note. Thank you, Mark. Buck, they're doubling down in Colorado over covid restrictions. The Department of Health is going to have restaurants build little greenhouses in their parking lots for customers to eat. You can't make this up. Why no resistance to this? Mark, I don't know, man, because, you know, I've had people on the right even saying, Buck, you're too upset about the COVID restrictions. No, I'm not. I'm not upset enough. I disagree with people that, oh, Buck, you're always fighting about the masks. and No, they're going to make you mask forever. Just keep conceding and see what happens. They're not going to get tired. They're never going to get tired of this. What I keep telling everybody. Crow writes in, Greetings, Mr. Buck and producer Mark. May the buck be with you. After President Trump wipes the floor with sack of potatoes, Joe, and wins the election at a landslide, along with the House and the Senate, 
He should move on a path to a balanced budget. That should provide at least some semi-permanent stability to our republic. Uh, for everybody in corporations, etc., etc. Abolish the IRS. Crow, cool name, great note. Everybody else, shield tie. 